0: Please fasten your seat belts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout days. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. Clowns and bagpipers are the only Kind of artists that are judged all the way by the worst, worst, worst of their profession. Like, they're awesome! But everyone's like, oh, bagpipes suck. Like, yeah, because they're loud and you heard a bad one once. You know what I mean?
1: Bagpipes are my number one fear.
0: Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I,
1: I wake up in a cold sweat every night to the sound of bagpipes. Very similar thing to clowns.
0: That's, that's terrible.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And today, Joy Powers is here. She's a professional clown who's performed with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, and now she works as a therapeutic clown at the Boston Children's Hospital, bringing laughter to kids on a daily basis. I actually saw Joy perform a few months ago in a a humorous take on the Nutcracker play, and I thought she was hilarious. And after reading some of the cast bios, knew she'd be great for the show. And now here she is. But before we get into that. We're going to get into hot takes. Do you want me to go first, Evan?
2: I've got a couple of door slammers for you. Yeah, why don't you go? All right, man. Well, my first one today is uh, dead in line with the, con- the uh, subject of today's show. What was your most irrational childhood fear, if you had one? You know how a lot of people are afraid, a lot of kids in particular, are afraid of clowns. Uh, I'm curious what you were afraid of as a kid. Vampires. Vampires. Okay. Why?
1: Specifically cartoon vampires. Okay. Uh, I think I saw a Scooby-Doo episode where one of the characters got possessed by a vampire and uh, they just seemed like they were super powerful monsters. Like, they could hypnotize you. They can possess people. They bite you, which just grossed me out. They could fly. They could read minds. They could just do everything. And it just... I Yeah, it was Scooby-Doo. And I got, like, really scared. And vampires were my big fear. But it wasn't... When I was imagining this fear of mine when it was manifesting i wasn't afraid of like like dracula you know like a like a not like a real life vampire i was i was imagining like the scooby-doo vampire like a cartoon vampire okay which in hindsight seems ridiculous but yeah i was i was scared of vampires
2: well childhood fears generally are pretty ridiculous as you realize later i i think my my biggest thing I, i was afraid of the burger king kids club (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <And> <laughs> because That's so much better you, I know but you see on TV the commercials during cartoons of like these kids at Burger King and they're having a great time and they're going on slides and all these things that are de- they're having so much fun uh-huh. eating at Burger King and I was like Man, I really hope I never have to join the Burger King Kids Club because I am not going to fit in and I'm going to go there and I'm not going to have any friends and I won't know anybody and so I won't have anybody to play with and so I was like <laughs> terrified that when I went to Burger King, I was going to have to, like, become... I was going to have to join the kids' club. And I was going to have to, like, <laughs> hang out with all these other kids. <laughs>
1: and I wasn't going to fit in. That is awesome. So you are afraid that, like, by going to Burger King, they were going to force you. Like, put you in, like, like an internment camp, which is the yeah, kids' club. I, I think I thought that, like, I was
2: like, my parents are going to think that I want to go in the Burger King kids' club. And I don't want to go in the <laughs> Burger King kids' club. <laughs>
1: It's like if most kids misbehave, you get grounded. If you misbehave, they're going to, they threaten to sign you up for the Burger King Kids Club. (laughs) If you stay out late one more time, like, we're going to sign you up for the Burger King Kids Club. No, no, please don't. Anything but that.
2: And the best thing is, is that as I got older, I realized that the Burger King Kids Club isn't even a real place. It's just a marketing thing. It's just like on the commercials, you go to Burger King, there's no club
1: there. Oh, right. So it's like a, it's like a loyalty program
2: it's not even a real loyalty program. It's like a fake loyalty program to get kids okay. to get their parents to take them to Burger
1: King. So it's a pyramid scheme. It's def it's like yeah. a pyramid scheme for kids is what it is. You can have them sell like Dunkaroos. You can get you get the starter package. It's only costs 250 bucks. You get you get all three flavors of Dunkaroos and you got to tell the tell your five best friends and if they sell Dunkaroos then you'll make a percentage of their money or you'll just get free Dunkaroos or in the worst case scenario you get a bunch of Dunkaroos. So Can't go wrong there. Okay. Uh,
2: My next question for you, Evan, uh, completely switching topics here. I I imagine you've experienced this at one point or another. Sometimes I'll open up Instagram and I'll have notifications that says, I have four notifications. One is a new follower and three are likes. And the the notifications will be one person followed you and then that person has liked the first three photos that I had. And I'm like, this is a spam to get me to follow them.
1: Is that true? Uh, Number one, this is just in case anyone is in doubt here. Tim is announcing to the world that people do follow him and like his photos. So c- congrats on that, Tim. That's awesome. But I'm admitting that the people that do like my photos are are doing it for selfish reasons. Yes, you're, you are right. I'll admit, uh, shamefully, I'll admit, when I first got Instagram and started traveling, I was like, all right. I'm gonna become like one of those guys that does all the hashtags and I'm gonna get a a bunch of followers. I'm gonna look up the strategies to get people to follow me. And what I did was they, they recommended follow people that are in the same space as you. So follow other travel accounts and then like the first, you have to like engage with them. So like the first like four or five photos. And I would do that. I would literally just like random photos on other travel accounts. And I would like unfollow them like a week or two later. And that's what I did. I don't think that works anymore. I think the algorithm has changed. This was like a long time ago. But that is 100% what they're doing. It's like they are doing the algorithm from 2016 where follow someone, like a bunch of their pictures, and that person thinks that they have made a new friend. Right, right. And that's what I thought. And I will also admit,
2: Evan, that I at once, right around that same time probably, 2015, 2016, also thought I was going to become this like Instagram guy. Right, so I was using all these hashtags, and I actually joined at one point a Instagram interaction group where you follow everybody on the group, everybody follows everybody on the group, and you like and comment on all of their posts. And it's just a total scam to like drive up the engagement on your posts. Sounds like the adult version of the Burger King Kids Club. It is, it's a pyramid scheme, for sure. It's a pyramid
1: scheme without even having a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a linear, it's a line scheme. It's just a straight line of idiots. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, those are my questions for you today. My first question for you is, are murder mystery games bullshit? Do you mean like the dinner parties?
2: hmm You know, I haven't gone to one probably since I was a teenager, but I actually thought it was really fun. Um, I had a good time. I would be interested in going to another one.
1: I kind of think it's all like escape rooms. It's all about who you're with. It could be a blast, it could be a lot of fun, or it could be excruciating
2: yeah i could see that it's probably all about you got to be with some friends
1: that you know well and you're comfortable enough assuming like a make-believe role in front of yeah like i i was i did mine for the first time uh, last week the murder mystery dinner party and i you know i like i know and like everybody that i was there with and half of them were like very into being in character the whole time and the other half were like uncomfortable by being in character. So it was a really weird mesh of personalities, and I don't think I would do that again. I think if you're going to do it, everyone has to be out of character and just kind of having fun figuring out the mystery, or everyone has to be in character, fully committing. I don't think you can get a half and half like I did. Everyone has to be on the same page.
2: Right, because it only takes one sour grape to ruin the batch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was I was probably a sour grape, honestly. Okay, I must have had a good. My career. character was blind. My character was supposed to be blind. Oh, I couldn't see anything. Interesting. So I was like, "What am I supposed to do? Like wander? I can't. I, I, if, if I'm being a character, I'm supposed to like wander around, bumping into things all day. Like I was, I was the captain of the ship, and I was blind. Interesting. I can't solve anything. I can't read any of these clues. Like how am I supposed to read the clue if I'm blind? So I, I was like, decided not to commit at all, pretty much, because I couldn't participate otherwise. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, I hear, I hear you. Sounds to me like you needed another Jack and Coke. Probably, probably. Um, all right, my second question is, would you ever cruise solo? I don't mean cruise solo to a bar. I mean, would you ever take a cruise solo? Uh,
2: Probably not like a commercial cruise, like on a, one of those major cruise ships. I, that would be weird. Uh, I would probably do like a a cruise from like, one continent to the next as a form of transportation and a different way to do it or like uh, a river
1: cruise no no, no, maybe? no i mean a cruise okay yeah a river cruise counts but isn't it easier when you take a big cruise because you can kind of be anonymous on a smaller cruise it's painfully obvious how alone you are whereas on a real caribbean type cruise it's like no one's really paying attention like there's so many people no one's like oh there's the guy by himself you know but if you're on a river cruise with like 35 people on it they're gonna know. Oh, that's Tim, the loser, who's here alone. I
2: feel like they're gonna think that anyway, because if you're on like a big cruise and like everybody's having a great time and it's like their big vacation for the year, they're like with their family or their friends or their partner, and you're just alone. And be like, why this guy just goes on his big vacation for the year alone? Like, where's his, where's, where are his friends? But it's funny. Like I used to know years ago when I I worked in a bar, and there was this guy that was a regular there, and he was terrified of flying. So he would only take cruises to get to places. Like if he had to go from the US to Mexico, which I think he did for a wedding or something once, he took a cruise from Florida to Mexico because he was terrified of getting on a plane. And that was like how he got there and then how he got back. It's like Travis Barker. Yeah, like Travis Barker. Exactly. But Travis Barker has a reason. He was actually in a plane crash. This guy was just paranoid. Right. That's incredibly
1: expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this guy was also rich, so it, that money
2: wasn't a factor for him.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I tend I, I was presented with the opportunity recently of going on a cruise, potentially by myself, and I was trying to think whether I should or not, and I, I had come to the conclusion that I would do it, because it was for work, so it's it, I wasn't having to pay for it. If I would have to pay for it, I hate traveling alone, so I would never pay for any kind of vacation by myself, but... At first, I was like, this is going to be way too awkward. Even for a free cruise, I wouldn't want to go by myself. But I came to terms with the idea that, you know what? There's enough people in a party mood, in a good vacation spirit. Everyone's friendly. Everyone's like on vacation, relaxing. It's easy, I think, to meet people on cruises. You always hear about people meeting people on cruises. I think it's probably, even if they are couples or groups of friends, I think if you go as a single person with the right mindset, and by right mindset, I mean like seven Jack and Cokes deep, I think meeting people is like not just a possibility, but likely.
2: I think in your situation, it's going to be good because you have a role to play. Like you're the guy that's the travel writer doing a story on the cruise, and that's interesting. People are going to want to talk to you about that, and they're going to want to be a part of it, and they're going to want to make it awesome for you. Uh, it's. I think that's much different than just being like, oh, where should I go on my vacation this year? I'm. Let me book a cruise by myself.
1: Right. And I, it turns out I'm not going to go by myself. I found I wrangle the plus one, but I, it's it's like the murder mystery thing. Like it's like you're on the ship. There it was a ship, uh, a maritime themed murder mystery party, so it's like everyone has a role to play, so it's like a murder mystery party where I'm the writer who is there trying to make friends with people. Except it's it's not a it's not fiction this time. This is actually yeah. it's real life. And everyone else has their own lives and there's like leave me alone, dude. And then there's a murder on the cruise, or more likely a COVID outbreak. Yeah, more likely you just get sequestered on there for like three weeks. And we all have to find find patient zero and it becomes a whole fun experience for everyone yeah so that's what i'm looking forward to all right that's it for me yeah that's it for me too we are going to get into the interview with joy we'll see you guys on the other side joy powers is a professional clown having toured the country with ringling brothers and barnum and bailey She's also a therapeutic clown with the Laughter League, visiting children at the Boston Children's Hospital and Hasbro Children's Hospital. Joy, welcome to No Blackout Dates.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, of course. And so the first thing I want to learn about is people tend to stereotype clowns into the classic colorful wig, big red nose type that you see at a circus, a traditional circus, but the definition is much broader than that. In the context of what you do, can you clarify for listeners what a clown is and what exactly you do as a clown?
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's it's not that necessarily, but um, it can be a lot of things. Like physical comedy is clowning. Um, a lot of a lot of like movie comedy, comedy for kids goes under the umbrella for co- um, clowning, and um, Shakespeare has clowns in it. Um, it's, it's really just a disruption of, of pattern. Like it's a, it's a break in energy and, um, comedic effect.
2: So the idea of getting into this industry, not so much as an actor, but as, as a clown specifically, where did that idea come from for you and what drove you towards it?
0: Um, well, I saw, I saw Circus Marcus as a kid. Circus Marcus is a youth circus based in Vermont, um, And I was there watching the show, like, as a little kid, seeing older kids, like, flipping and doing trapeze. And there are these three clowns I saw, and they were so funny. Um, And I was like, I got to do that. So they have a summer camp. I went to their summer camp. I tried everything. I tried, like, high wire juggling. And um, clowning was just a thing. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than that.
1: It's cool because I think a lot of people would see that as a kid and be like, yeah, I want to become a clown and then probably forget about it. Like... A year later, or mm-hmm. never do anything to pursue learning how to become a clown. But for you to not only like take actionable steps to do that, to go to the camp, but to follow it through to later in your life to make it your actual career is super unique.
0: I mean, I mean, yeah, I won't, I won't claim it's not a weird career. It's very weird,
1: right? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and it's like a hobby that I've chased into something much more. Um, but. I don't know, it just kind of fit. Like I feel I feel really lucky that I found something that I was just trying as a teenager. Um, and then it, it, it just like doors opened and there was a place for me in the world and um, yeah, I've just continued with it. And and working therapeutically as a hospital clown really has been my dream job. So I'm I'm just feeling so glad that I have that now. It's really different from theatrical clowning or circus clowning. I, I wouldn't have expected necessarily that there would be such a um kind of long-term career and maybe there's not like it's it's a little unusual and even at times but um yeah i feel really lucky to do this
1: is is it an elevator speech that you look forward to or that you're sick of by now when people say so like what do you do for work <laughs> and then you, you're like oh well I'm, I'm a clown And then obviously there's like a million follow-up questions or yeah. people like don't know how to react do you do you enjoy that or, do, or are you just like <laughs> fucking can't stand this anymore explaining this to people
0: uh oh, good question. Um, it's it's funny. Like sometimes when I'm meeting people and I know I won't be seeing them again, I just I avoid the subject, like hairdresser or something. You know, because <laughs> it's such a weird, a weird thing, and and people really have this idea about what clowning is in their head, so they'll take that and apply it to you. And if you don't have long to get to know them, it can it's like not worth. It's not worth it. So I'll just say I do, I don't know, entertainment or something like that.
1: Just say you're an accountant. So if you're not going to like have to get, if you're not going to have to talk to that person for more than five minutes, just be like, yeah, I work in marketing. Yeah. No follow up questions. No uh, one will ever Data ask. entry. So you have a super, yeah, exactly. Super boring job.
0: Yeah. No offense to data analysts, but. um. <laughs> hey,
1: yeah. Hey, data, data entrants are a huge demographic of our podcast. So <laughs> you don't want to, <laughs> don't want to ostracize data entry people.
0: I sincerely apologize.
1: What about, like, talking about, like, stereotypes of clowns, there's this whole other side of that profession, which is scary clowns. Some people, if you ask them what their number one fear is, it's clowns, which, you know, you got, like, the Pennywises and, Mm -hmm. like, horror clowns. Do they give your job a bad name? Is that, like, a? do do there people, do you know who specialize in portraying scary or horror themed clowns and is that like a whole other side of your industry
0: no that's that's like a um horror movie commentary on our industry it's really like it's it's really hard to deal with actually like every time there's a new scary clown movie that comes out we're like oh great here we go again you know because it has nothing to do with what we do at all and you know horror movies are fun like But for some reason, other tropes don't, like, stick to clowns the same Mm -hmm. way. Like, I don't know. There's probably movies about scary doctors, but you're not like, oh,
1: doctors are scary. (laughs) No, what's your number one fear? Doctors.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe that.
1: Maybe. Could be. (laughs)
0: Um, But, no, it's totally different. Um, I, I don't know. It's just something that's, like, really stuck in American culture right now. It's kind of annoying to me. But, yeah, people people will say they're clown, scared of clowns, and then I don't think they really are. They're like They don't really know what clowning is and, and how it can be because people come up to me, and I'm 5'2", and, like, have a rainbow skirt on, um, and they say they're scared of clowns. And I say, well, are you scared of me? And they say, no. Um, so if you see a real quality clown in and, and a good circus, like, it's just not scary. It's just a thing people think they're scared of.
2: Yeah, they're they're scared of like a character they saw in a movie once is what exactly. they're scared of. They're not exactly. scared of like an entire broad spectrum of of characterizations of of a profession or a person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: I like to say like clowns and bagpipers are the only kind of artists that are judged like all the way by the worst, worst, worst of their profession. You know what I mean? Like good bagpipers right. are. Great. I I love
2: bagpipers too. They're so awesome. you know,
0: but everyone's like, oh, bagpipes suck. Like yeah, because they're loud and you heard a bad one once. You know what I mean?
1: Bagpipes yeah. are my number one fear.
0: Oh, I'm terribly sorry.
1: <laughs> I wake up in a cold sweat every night just like to the sound of bagpipes. So yeah, yeah. similar, very similar thing to clowns.
0: That's terrible.
2: So let's talk a little bit about travel uh, as a clown. What is what is the experience like there being on the circus, being on the road, dressing up every night? Uh, what do you love? What do you not love? What's the experience?
0: Well, I'm not traveling so much these days. I live in one place and um, I have like a, a city job, which is so cool. I mean, I mean, working in the same hospital every week. Um, but in the past, I've toured. I toured with Ringling Brothers for, like, four years. And I've toured with Sarcus and Circus Smircus. Um, and it's amazing to be able to tour. Ringling Brothers let me see, like, the whole country in a really cool way. Um, so we lived on a train. And I had a little room in a train. We didn't have trailers or hotels or anything like that. Um, which was incredible because that means I never had to pack a bag, you know, that's the worst part of traveling is like having a really limited amount of stuff. Um, and I never had to drive. So (laughs) it was just like a party of performers all the time, living on a train at a window. And I saw like all of America through that window. Um, that was, that was incredible. There's a lot of things about working for Ringling that weren't amazing, but that, I go back to that any day. Like it was, it was just incredible. And you see parts of the country you never see because um, they're train tracks. Like there aren't roads that go back there. People don't go back there.
1: There's something old fashioned about that, like traveling the country by train from via a traveling circus. You know? Yeah. And are the are other performers that you're traveling with are they typically pretty cool? I mean, you think they would be pretty chill because they're in a circus. But mm-hmm. is there any like? Tension with people, professional rivalries with other clowns.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, well, I'll keep talking about Ringling. That's a great example um, because that was a huge production. That's the biggest show I've ever been on. I think there was like 100 people in the show. Maybe I'm – yeah, maybe about 100 or I'm overestimating. I don't know. But So there's like different groups of performers and and within the circus, there's like different types. Like – you, you know, in Lord of the Rings, there's like the elves and they have their magic powers, <laughs> and like the dwarves and they have their characteristics. Oh, yeah, and,
1: I know very well. You know,
0: I just watched Lord of the Rings, so <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. Um, but you know, there's like clowns. Um, most of the clowns are American. There's like 12 of us. Um, there's like a whole Chinese troop, and some of them were really young. There's nine and 11 year olds. Um, and then there's like ukrainian acrobats and russian (laughs) acrobats that are like having a huge loud party every night and all the dancers were these beautiful brazilian women who are like so loud and like
1: and you're (laughs) all just traveling together on the same trains like Mm -hmm. all the time throughout the country that's so cool
0: yeah so it's like a whole cast of characters like you can imagine there's tensions that happen there's like so much fun and just everybody working together and then also going home and living together it's very very close yeah very intense
1: is the international? Is there something kind of lost in translation in the clown tradition abroad? Because I, I know you said most of the clowns were American, but d- d- what do you know anything about the clown tradition in Europe? Say or is, a little. is there? Is it the same? Do they? Is it a different kind of
0: job? Um, yeah, there's different styles, I, and I'm no I'm no pro at describing this, so mm-hmm. um, don't take my word as the ultimate. But American clown clowning is thought of look more of ringling style, like um more more like loud and wacky, I guess, which isn't necessary what I try to emulate, but um there's European clowning, which is like closer to mime. Or like maybe more theatrical. There's really cool stuff you can see in Circus soleil
1: By mimes do you mean kind of like your role in the Nutcracker where you didn't speak and you was all fizz all physical comedy?
0: Yeah, a lot of it's like that. Um I, I really like not not speaking when I perform. Um, there's something really cool about that. You can just tell a whole story with your physical actions. You can say so much without talking.
1: That seems to be like a practice that's fallen by the wayside, at least in mainstream culture, physical comedy. I mean, in the like early 20th century, I feel like all the black and white films were very slapstick, very uh, heavily reliant on physical comedy, but yeah. that's not so much the case anymore. So that's, I mean, how is that in your profession? Maybe that's, not change maybe that's always been uh, you know a staple but is that still as popular with audiences the silent comedy or do you find that audiences prefer spoken comedy
0: um well i think it can still really work if you're performing live um like like how you saw in that nutcracker show because if you have a setting and um the focus of everyone in the room and the music and the lights like that can hold an attention span still. I think the same way it always could. It's kind of a timeless art form. But if you bring comedy into the video realm or of television or anything produced like that, I think it's starting to fall a little short. Um, just because we're we're used to way more stimulation now. We're used to like really fast camera cuts and, you know, like kind of one off jokes. So the attention span's a little different. I, I think it works better for live, yeah.
2: What would you say is the thing that you are aspiring to as a clown? And maybe that's something you've already done uh, in the past. But what is what is the peak of the profession in your eyes?
0: The peak of the profession? Oh, well, when I was younger, I would have said to like tour with such and such a com- company or something. But I don't know. I don't really care about that anymore. Um, I guess I just want to be good at my hospital job that I have now. So I have my dream job, which is working as a therapeutic hospital clown. I've always wanted to do that. Um, and I'm three years into it. But um I just I just wanna be like very good at it. I wanna feel that I'm excellent at my job. So I just need to keep getting better.
1: And to go into what the hospital the uh the therapeutic clowning is, so like your role as a healthcare clown and what what is that exactly?
0: So I work for this company called the Laughter League. Um, we have a chapter in Boston, Providence, Texas, a new one in Seattle, a new one in New York. Um, and there's lots of other programs like this throughout the country. Um, so we go into hospitals, uh, children's hospitals specifically, and we just try to change the energy. We try to, um, bring some happiness into a dark place, you know, like we'll go into, we'll go room to room. We go in pairs, um, we can do music and jokes and like juggling and, Sometimes just improvisation. It's mostly improvisation. Um, But the big idea is that we're totally different from everything else that's going on there. Um, We're changing the energy. We're just, um, you know, something different. And sometimes it's as simple as being the only thing a kid can say no to. Because, you know, they're in a place. They're in pain. They're, like, their health is in question. Some of them are literally dying. And they can't say no to a doctor who needs to take their blood. And they can't, like control who opens their door so (laughs) it's just like some someone under them we're like a lower status we come in being like we're dumb we need help like i can't find my glasses you know we just do dumb stuff and suddenly that kid is elevated to being the smartest one in the room and they can say get out and we will (laughs) so it's just it's a different energy you know
1: that's that's so cool yeah that's like super fulfilling too so that's great
0: i feel very fulfilled by it yeah
1: would
2: you would you say there's camaraderie between you and your coworkers when you're doing this and and when you're on tour as well? Is there do you guys bond over your single profession uh, as being different than what the other people around you are doing?
0: Yeah, totally. In in the hospital, it's very close work. We always work in pairs. So there's ten of us, and we rotate. We're always with one one person every day, um, and it's always a different person day by day. So we have like very unique chemistry is when we work together um and you can kind of like expect different things from your different partners as you get to know them better uh and you really have to be on the same page because it's a very sensitive environment um you have to be in tune with each other so that you can interpret the room correctly and help out as much as you can um yeah and in a an, uh, theatrical sense it's it's like very finely choreographed like in a show you always know what you're going to do beforehand. Um, and you need to trust that your partners will know too. Like, especially if you're doing slapstick, you know, like if a hand's coming at your face and you don't know.
2: Yeah, right. That could know, be good. painful. So,
0: um, yeah, you got to trust each other a lot. Um, and my very best friends are clowns. Like, I've been through so much with them and they know, and they know how weird it is. So, yeah, there's <laughs> nobody like them.
1: I, it's funny because when I think of people who do what you do, I've never met a, a clown, really, in my personal life, except this guy on, a, I was traveling in uh, Mexico, and a guy on my trip, he's like 50 years old. He used to work as a clown for McDonald's for 25 years. Oh, is a Ronald? Yes, he was a Ronald cool. McDonald. I never heard. I, I obviously knew that people did that, but I never like mm. had said to someone, "Hey, what do you do for work?" And he was like, "I'm retired Ronald McDonald." So I was like, "Oh, wow, that's cool." And his personality was very clown-like. He was always, <laughs> he was always on. He was always doing telling jokes and doing magic tricks at like at dinner and stuff yeah. and that's probably just him do you feel a similar pressure in your everyday life to be on around people who you meet who know your what you do for a living because it's like to meet someone who does what you do and then for them to be boring in real life people are like oh that's a letdown like why aren't you making me laugh all the time is there a, a pressure to be entertaining
0: uh I would say I feel that pressure, but I'm not guided by that pressure. Like, I, I'm not like that, actually, in my real life. I'm actually really shy and probably quite boring. Um, but I don't know. It's it's like something I... It's so weird that I do that professionally and I'm not actually like that. Um, but yeah, sometimes I meet people and they're like, you're a clown? Okay.
1: Make me laugh. And I'm
0: like, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah, I'm actually not... If there's a room full of people like I don't, I never want to be the one everyone's looking at. So that's, um, that's pretty different.
1: <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Cause he, he was that guy. He was like, I want everyone to look at me all yeah. the time. And I was like, okay, it makes yeah. total sense that you're a clown. So yeah. And that, so he was like very, uh, consistent, his personal and professional persona.
0: I know a lot of clowns yeah. that are like that. Like they're just always on. They make me laugh. Like they surprise me all the time and entertain me constantly. It must be exhausting. That's what I think. Um, yeah. but i also know a lot of clowns that are really shy and awkward just like me so there's all kinds
1: what do you think about being a uh, a corporate clown like for mcdonald's is that something you would ever do
0: um <laughs> i don't, yeah i guess i would i don't know i it haven't seems, it
1: seems are they really the, are like... they the sellouts of clowns They're the clowns <laughs> that like sign the
2: big money paperwork
0: no i mean you gotta you gotta make it how you can right um i know a lot of guys who have been ronalds there's a ton of them there's like there was a time there was a Ronald in every state, and they they do a lot like they go to schools and do shows. And I can't be a Ronald because I'm not a man of a certain height.
1: That's that's true. It's discrimination. He, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was like, yeah, there's a whole there's a convention of Ronalds, and he's like talking about this time he went to the wow. convention, and there was like a, a bunch of them. And he stays in touch with a lot of them, I and bet. <laughs> how I asked him all these questions, he's like, I, I can't tell you. I signed I signed a non disclosure. Like I'm not allowed. It's just classified. Yeah. I was like, couldn't tell if that was bullshit or if that was like, nope, actually legit oh, like serious business. i was like dude that's it's crazy. just yeah. so yeah it's it's that's fascinating to me though the the, the ronald conventions and... yeah
0: i think there's a thing where you're not even supposed to refer to them as ronald like you're not even supposed to tell people you do it you're supposed to say like i'm a tom Like that's the the key tom? word tom.
1: i don't even know. yeah he was already in breach in breach of contracts
0: yeah so he okay. was totally telling the yeah, truth is very secretive.
2: it's just because he's retired he's no longer under that nda anymore
0: yeah exactly I'm, they signed all kinds of stuff
1: yeah he was very very free with that information so i think it's uh, i think it's okay but um so what do you think uh, when i think of going to a circus or i mean even honestly like i had a great time at the nutcracker but it was clearly geared towards kids is clowning? Are going to see a clown? Uh, going to see a circus? Is that accessible for adults too, like, or do you? Is it primarily your shows, your performances geared for kids, um, or is there an adult outlet as well?
0: I think if it's good, it's for everybody. Um, it's definitely packaged as children's entertainment. You know, um, adults would not go see a, a clown show by themselves probably. Although I've seen some clowning that was only for adults. So that exists too.
2: Adult only clowning.
0: Um, yeah, you know, like you can be physically funny about things that are not appropriate for
1: children. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well it's like, you know, when you're watching like Disney movies, there's always the undertones of certain mm-hmm. things that the kids don't pick up on. And I'm I do you include that in your show, like oh the parents are exactly. the parents are in the room and the parents are gonna get this and they're gonna talk about it to their
0: friends. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's what it should be. There should be two um kind of lines of communication. Like kids laugh at pretty dumb stuff. They laugh at you getting whacked or falling down or like having some one liner and adults are able to pick up on more subtle things. It doesn't have to be like uh inappropriate for adults to laugh, but uh I, I frequently see families come and adults enjoying themselves just as much. And that's definitely the idea. We don't we don't wanna make entertainment that's really like only for children and adults are snoozing through it um so yeah adults frequently say they really like it too so
1: i hope and so so there are adult only shows like that's a thing that people if people are traveling or checking out like a new city and they want to find some form of like live entertainment is that a thing that is prolific enough ubiquitous enough that people could find like an adult only clown show
0: there's circus is kind of having a resurgence right now and there's so much amazing circus out there that is so amazingly produced and it's it's just like I mean kids would enjoy it but it's so high class that it's more of an adult experience like you can find circus shows at like nightclubs and Cirque du Soleil has incredible shows that are just like beyond anything you've seen before and the comedy can be very adult um and circus itself is like it's so beyond children's entertainment it's incredible athleticism like um you know there's amazing contortionists and trapezes and stuff like any adult who saw that it's amazing how can humans do things like that
1: yeah those those bigger circus shows i feel like there is something for everyone yeah. I mean, and i have i have the like emotional maturity of like a probably like a 12 year old so I enjoy clowns yeah. I, have, I have a great time <laughs> and that kind of kid shows so yeah joy this has been awesome um where can people go to learn more about you and I know you're also an artist so where can people go to check out some of your work
0: um well my instagram handle is at joy powers art that's my name and art um that's where I post my art which is something I just do on the side and always cause I can't stop and love it. Um, and I, uh, yeah, that's kind of it. I don't really have a website or anything like that. Um, so I post things there that are going on with me.
2: I'm, I'm excited to now go to like the next time I go to a circus or a show with clowns, I'm going to ha- feel like I'm going to have a deeper understanding of
0: what's oh, going on. Oh, yeah. Here. I hope you Thanks. do. I hope you see a really awesome circus and I hope you see a really great clown <laughs> and I hope you tell everyone about it.
1: All right, Joy. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Lovely. Bye.
1: All right. Here we are in news of the day. Thanks again to Joy Powers for coming on and joining us. We're going to get into it first with this article, 10 Nude Beaches in the Most Unexpected Places. Tim, you ever go to a nude beach? I went to one with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that. You're 100% right. Accidentally, though.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it was kind of accidentally, but I mean, we can, we can uh, quantify yeah. this by saying that we were not nude, and we were with two other people, uh, also who were yeah, not nude. that's... <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. I was like, oh, I've never been to a nude beach. Yes, yes, we have. Um, yeah, so some of these on the list are Hanlon's Point in Toronto, Bellevue Beach in Denmark, Wreck Beach in Vancouver, Vecai Beach in Latvia, and I guess the beach in Stockholm. There's a few other ones. So, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think of it as more of a European thing, but we, uh, the Tim and I, the beach we went to, accidentally. It was called Black's Beach in San Diego. We were kind of hiking down this little, this steep cliff face to get to this beach, look around, only to notice that 75% of the people laying on this beach are completely naked and also over 75 years old. Mm -hmm. So that was delightful. You know, it's funny because I've always kind of
2: envisioned nude beaches as being just that, like just like that scene in the movie Euro Trip, where there's just, it's just all old old dudes and it's not at all like what the uh you know the the mass marketed image of a nude beach is and i've to me like the whole nude beach thing is exactly that it's a marketing ploy you think so yeah because i mean who i i just don't understand why it's who. why would anybody think that they're going to go to a nude beach and it's going to be like this Crazy, sexy experience. Like it's not that because they're
1: comfortable in their own skin, because it's empowering, because they want to be one with the sand. I don't know, Tim. I I don't know. I feel like, would you ever go intentionally to one and be nude on it? Sure, like absolutely. I'm not pro.
2: I'm not anti-nude beach at all. Like I would absolutely do it. I'm. I just don't. I wouldn't
1: go with the anticipation that it's going to be like. You're going to be surrounded by young 25-year-old college girls, yeah? Yeah,
2: I would never, like, I, I don't know why the, like, the image of it is that.
1: Yeah, okay. I think, I don't know, Tim. I think the, that's, I, I don't know that I would. I don't know if I would do it. So I, I I'm actually applaud you for being open-minded enough to say that, yeah, you would strip off all of your clothes and lay on a beach completely naked in the company of dozens of octogenarian strangers. It's good for you. I mean, I've been to Naked Hot
2: Springs before. That's not Okay, so this is like a thing for
1: you. This is like your wheelhouse. Perfect. All right. Now that we established that, moving on, let's let's get your uh, article. (laughs) Uh, The other news article we're discussing today is called Everything to Know
2: About Ice Hotels, From Staying Warm to Using the Toilet. Nude
1: ice hotels.
2: So the most interesting thing about this, which I didn't realize, and granted, I admit I've never stayed in an ice hotel, but when you book an ice hotel, you're very often also booking... A room at a normal partner hotel because, Eben, there's no toilets in an ice hotel.
1: So this is when you're sleeping in the middle of the night. You wake up in the middle of the night, and you have to go to the bathroom. You leave the ice hotel. You go next door to the real hotel, use the bathroom, and then come back. Is that what happens? Is that Yes. That, that's a pain in the ass. Uh, another thing I learned from this article, uh, and it comes without saying
2: that you probably want to dress warm for the ice hotel, but I'm looking at a photo of the Hotel de Glace now. And there's a fire pit inside the hotel.
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. I think the ice is so thick that it doesn't melt that maybe it's insulated somehow or there's glass that prevents it from the heat from getting. I I, I don't know. I'm not a physicist. Can't speculate. Won't speculate. But I've always thought that ice hotels are really cool in concept. Would love to take like a tour of one, walk around, see the rooms, whatever. Would rather die than sleep in an ice hotel. I think it's incredibly cold. I think that the beds are hard blocks of ice that are uncomfortable from people i know that have stayed in them i just don't think i think the reason that they that you rent out that other hotel room isn't just for the bathroom it's so that once you are asleep in the ice hotel and you wake up in the middle of the night and realize how miserably uncomfortable you are you can just grab all your stuff go to the hotel the real hotel and have sleep in a real bed you know it's like a backup it's a plan b
2: yeah, and that's part of why you, you get the partner is in case you want to bail in the middle of the night. But it's funny, like I, I, I think, you know, I take your point of not wanting to stay there. I would be down to stay there if I can visit the ice bar first to warm up a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I think going to a sit and drink at an ice bar is way more appealing to me than sleeping in a, in a hotel because at least there you can enjoy, relax, kind of take in the experience and then... Go home to your regular hotel and have a nice, comfortable, warm bed. Anyone wants to sponsor me and set me up at a nice hotel. Hit me up. I'm, uh, I'm down. Let's see.
2: Well, Evan, I'll tell you one thing. If you if you go, just make sure you bring a plus one so you guys can get some body heat going.
1: Sage advice from the known nudist on the show, which is Tim. <laughs> Thanks for listening to No Blackout Dates. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us, of course, a five-star review. And if for some reason you want to follow what we're up to, I'm EdwinFlo underscore on Instagram, and he's TimWinger1. Also, a big shout out and thanks to our producer, Alex Halke, executive producer, Katie Hetrick, our email marketing guru, Kelsey Wilking, the Matador social crew, and everyone else on the team who puts up with us on a daily basis. We'll see you guys next week.